Hello. How's it uh, going, man? Hello. Are you there? Oh, I'm alive. How about you? Is this Patrick? It might be. It's hard oh, to say. You sound you sound different, Patrick. Oh, we should talk about that. Yeah. So uh, I don't know about you. You're probably using this just uh, terrible mic, this awful, you know, back end. Just uh, you probably found it at Walmart, but I upgraded <laughs> my mic to yeah. this beast of a mic. It's from Tonor. And uh, this thing's amazing. So now we can talk to ourselves with no listeners on a really uh, on a, an expensive mic. Uh, what's your mic situation, man? Well, uh, I went and upgraded, and uh, it's I don't I don't even know what it is. What is that? May Mayo? No, just something I found on Amazon and uh, condenser microphone. Uh, it wasn't very expensive. It's like $60 or something. Uh, but uh, much better than my little Logitech gaming headset, I think. Wait, 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 wait. Hold up. Did we just upgrade mics on the same day? Well, not on the same day. Well, the same think... week? Same <laughs> the week? same week, maybe. Wow. Huh. Yeah, so okay, I that guess... wasn't planned at all. No, and I guess, I mean, since we're serious podcasters now. Mm-hmm. I hear know, we, we got a follower we taken. out there. Yeah, we've got one, maybe. Yeah, and he then, was disappointed, right, that we missed uh, last week? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so what happened? I mean, I know what happened. but uh, Who's telling? I don't know. I think I just uh, I ate myself into a food coma that week. I think that's hmm. what happened to me. I don't know about you. Well, that's just uh, – I know you've been there, man. You've had freaking shit rough weeks at work, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, by a mile. Yeah, so that's uh, that's what happened with me too. Just a long week, a lot of unexpected things happened. Um, I crashed my work car with a fucking <laughs> giant boost. Well, I'm glad you're okay, man. But I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> so just a crazy week that topped it off. But uh, we we definitely intend to to keep making this weekly. So. Uh, yep. Oops! Yeah. Shit Oops. happens. It's no. a moose shit up your windshield happens <laughs> exactly <laughs> all right so other than that uh here what are we what is today even we're the seventh now well over here we are sixth today seventh close yeah, you're like that. in the future man i'm, I'm still in the, in the sixth for another couple hours so yeah so sunday again though uh you want to hit up some football real quick talk yeah. about uh, did did i see that you had a little better <laughs> day today than you've had so far well we won today uh we almost had a meltdown so the broncos won we almost melted down in the fourth quarter again but we actually beat san diego on the road so uh but you know i said i had a feeling you know and i know it's just one win um i had a feeling that the talent was there the coaching staff is much better and look, I'm not a Flacco fan by a mile, but he brings a certain stability at least that we haven't had since Peyton Manning left. So I looked at all of our young talent and thought, you know, I think this is going to come together eventually. Either we're going to implode and um, we're going to piss off all the vets and we're going to have to trade Von Miller and uh, Chris Harris mm-hmm. Jr. and Emmanuel Sanders yep. or... 
we'll turn it around in time because I knew the talent was there. So we we played a good game. We're up 17-0 deep into the third quarter, actually. Uh, in fact, it wasn't even a touchdown from the, the Chargers offense that put him back in the game. It was uh, a punt return for a touchdown. <laughs> so wow. um, we, we look better. Uh, we still have to improve. But uh, I wanted to talk last week about how terrible life was sitting at 0-4. It's still really, really bad. Yep. But we Vic uh, Fangio got his first win, and we looked okay. Philip Lindsay's a beast, man. He, uh, he looked really good. And um, who knows? Who knows? Maybe we'll get to 8-8 eight and eight this year. <laughs> Nice. Nice. Well, that's how, good how the Patriots do. Oh, they did great. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I hate the, you. Yeah. <laughs> you don't even need to look. I watched, uh, I only watched three quarters of the game because I had some other stuff I had to do. And uh, my little guy was having a rough day himself. So we watched about three quarters of the game. And uh, it was good. It was good. Uh, Brady looked really good. He had kind of started off slow which looked a little concerning because he had a really slow week last week as well against the Bills, uh, which I think have a better defense than most people uh, give him credit for. Oh, for sure. Well, look what they did today, right? So. Right, exactly. Yeah. So um, but so he started off a little slow, and then he just he just lit it up from there on. Um, and I think another highlight was that uh, Edelman looked really good. He didn't look uh, hurt or anything after taking that chest injury a few weeks ago. Yeah, I wondered about that. <clears throat> you know, uh, he it was ribs, right? He had a rib. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so, well, that's good, and I knew. I knew they were going to beat the dead skins, and uh, they certainly yeah. did. I looked at the score almost at halftime, and I thought, because I didn't watch the game, but I thought, man, what? what? It's like 9-7, to seven, what's happening? Right. And... Um, but uh yeah by the i look okay i thought when i looked in the fourth quarter i was like yeah that's more like it that makes more sense yeah but it's hard to believe that brady is still playing at an elite level at uh, the age of uh 59 you know yeah (laughs) well you know (laughs) he said he'll retire by 70 you know Mm -hmm. if, if he starts sucking but which i'm starting to wonder if he will you know yeah no. Uh, can you? T- I've got some. I got some for you, Matt. I want right. you to tell me how this sounds on the new mic. You ready? Yes. Oh. How's that? It sounds good. What is it though? Does it? Does it taste as good as it sounds? Um. Uh, for a a, a uh, mainstream lager, it's a Coors, so oh, okay. it's not. At least it's but... not ham. <laughs> Oh God, hams! Oh, yeah, uh, you know what I'm so tired of, man? PBR. That that shit tastes like pennies in my mouth, like old pennies mm. sitting in someone's pocket for a month. Yeah, I, I could never do, do it with PBR. I could, yeah. I could never do it at all. No, my uh, my cheap lager of choice is uh, Molson Canadian. Yeah, that's not a bad pick. Mm. But um, Canadians are underrated for their. Uh, for their beer, uh, even Moosehead. I, lo- I love yep. Moosehead. I don't know why. It's got the, just this weird skunkiness. It's almost not even like a hoppy skunkiness. It's hard to nope. explain. I just kind of uh, tastes like uh, my 19 to 20 year old. <laughs> it tastes yeah. like 19 year old nostalgia is what Moosehead tastes like. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, maybe that's why. Maybe it's all nostalgic glasses for us. But <laughs> oh man, so uh, uh, I guess we get on the show notes here something about podcast follow up. Uh, do you have any any follow up on that? I guess I've got one I can talk about. But yeah, you know, just a quick note. I bought up a, a, a bevy of Switch games, uh, including uh, well, as I mentioned, Link's Awakening last time. Really mm-hmm. into that. Um, I gotta finish that up. I'm on my second run through of um, Fire Emblem Three Houses. Yes. But I just happened to turn on Astral Chain for a couple hours. Oh no, man! Just to see what it was about, and man, that uh, that is platinum at its finest, man. Uh, that yeah. is platinum games at their finest. That's uh, quite the game. I'm uh, I'm loving it already. I thought uh, they give you a little tutorial thing, and I thought, ah, it's not bad. It's a little, you know, a little clunky. And then it just skyrockets from there. And uh, I, I can tell. I can't wait to get to that one. I've got to round off a few things I'm doing, but I'm really looking forward to Astral Chain. Nice. I, was, uh, I wasn't sure. The setting seemed a little off when they first announced it uh, last year, earlier this year, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And... Uh, it just, I mean, it looked okay, but it just kind of seemed like a, mm, I don't know, it would be something that would become a mainstream franchise or something as far as the uh, the setting. Uh, but the more I've heard about it and how awesome Platinum is consistently, it looks like it's a heck of a game. I'm probably well, going to get up soon. I know there's one Platinum game that you like in particular, mm-hmm. uh, but... I've lo- well, too, I liked Bayonetta quite a bit. Um, didn't beat two, but I beat one. And uh, But Nier is unbelievable. Nier yeah, Automata. that's what I hear. And what's funny is, as such a Platinum Games fan, I still haven't gotten around to Nier. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'll tell you what, Bayonetta 2 is maybe... It was one of the best action uh, games I'd ever played. And... Mm-hmm. And I loved Bayonetta, the first one. I thought two was leaps and bounds uh, ahead of it, but I've got a feeling just from the few hours I put in the Astral Chain, it it might topple Bayonetta two for uh, my favorite uh, Platinum Games uh, outing. So, so uh, another thing we follow up on, uh, we talked a little bit about uh, Nintendo's controllers. We were talking about the the SNES controller, and then we kind of hit on the drift issues a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So how are, your, how are your controllers holding up? What's what's your controller situation right now? Then I'll tell you about mine. Okay, well, yeah. I I think I mentioned this already. I bought a replacement for my drifting controllers. Mm-hmm. And my new ones looked used and kind of buffed out. And there's a, an issue immediately with my uh, left stick right out of the box. Yeah. So... Um, not not terribly pleased. Um, Have you they, tried calibrating it and all those steps? I did on the initial one. I haven't gotten around to it with this one. I've got to do that. Um, but it, I I think it, it just like it's it doesn't feel like a calibration issue. It's hard to explain. Like mm-hmm. if I push top uh, up left on my stick, mm-hmm. it it's like it doesn't go to the end it's like um when i push it to the it physically goes to the end but my character is still walking instead of running basically so that is exactly exactly what started happening with my pro controller 
So Pro Controller, my favorite, probably, and I, you mentioned it, but I agree, probably my favorite controller of all time. Just the most comfortable controller. The battery life's insane. Um, I think the battery on the Switch one is uh, slightly less than the Wii U one, but still just insane. I mean, it goes weeks, that seemingly weeks before I bother with charging it. So anyway, um, that's the, the exact same issue I had with that, that you would push forward and your character would just be walking or at times it would kind of start drifting and nudging the character on its own if the joystick wasn't even being touched or the left analog stick yeah Um, in the calibration screen it it shows a big circle where you can move the analog stick around and pushing it up like completely directly north i guess or up you would see the indicator go all the way to the top and then kind of bounce and float around in the middle and then you could let go of the stick and push it again and it still wouldn't go fully 100% to the top. So um, I did quite a bit of uh, Google digging around and I found a forum post and a Google Doc, which I'll share in the show, show notes um, on this episode, uh, where someone showed how to replace the sensors. Hmm, okay. And so what they are are these uh, analog 3D joystick thumbstick wireless controller rockers for PlayStation 4 PS4 controller replacement is the the actual Amazon name. So you get two of these basically joystick modules for $4.46. Now, to completely replace the module, you'd have to solder them onto the controller but following this Google Doc guide, which will void your warranty if anybody out there chooses to do so, uh, basically what you do is you just pry off where the sensor is held in and you replace this little tiny metal sensor. So um, I ordered them. I said, well, what's what's the downside here? Um, I'm either going to have to send this controller into Nintendo. Uh, they're not re- fixing pro controllers for free. So it's going to cost me, I would estimate 40, $50 more than right. likely for them. Almost to Almost what this. you'd pay for a new one anyway. Exactly. Plus the time of being without the controller. So I figured I'd try to be handy and fix it myself. And the worst come worst outcome is that I break it. And uh, I have to buy a new controller for $60, $70, whatever it is. So um, I took it apart and pried open the little spot where the sensor goes in and put the new sensor in there with a pair of tweezers. And it's it felt off, but just uh, it was difficult. Working with any tiny little parts is difficult. So right. I get it all pieced back together and put the controller all back together with its... 10 screws or whatever it is and i turn on the switch and the left analog stick does not work at all it's constantly pushing down so i'm like oh well i guess it was worth the try um so i take a break and go get a drink and i come back and say well i've got three other sensors in these maybe i just bunged up the sensor while i was trying to fix it so i took it all apart again took the the replacement sensor out and put another one in a little more carefully and i had a better feel for what i was doing now after doing it a second time clipped everything back together and it works perfectly no way wait 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 a second it doesn't drift 
does not drift, does not, Holy I mean, crap. It, it works like it's brand new out of the box again. Wow. And I was going to ask you, it was it hard to do? It sounds like it was kind of a challenge working with little bits, but. Yeah, it's, it's kind of a challenge. The Google Doc that whoever this uh, person put together uh, does a good job of explaining it. And it's got pictures and everything. Um, so, I mean, uh, if you're a little bit handy and you've got a small Phillips head screwdriver uh, and you've got a pro controller that's not working, I guess that's worth a try. Oh, shoot. Okay. I wonder if I could do something similar with my Joy-Con. Well, from what I've read on the Joy-Cons, um, I think you have to unsolder the the actual sensor. Um, don't oh, quote me on that, but I think the, the guide I was looking at for those are um, iFixit. It's a great website, by the way. That's not where I bought my parts, but uh, I know that they have a lot of replacement parts and guides on iFixit. Um, but I think I remember seeing something where they had to use a heat gun to unsolder some component, which I'm not keen on doing. No, no, I, neither am I. But at the rate I'm going through these things, a, uh, <laughs> I might have to learn that skill. Yeah. Uh, it's that or give up on the switch because, uh, hey, it's just, two, two sets out of two that are that are borked. I don't get it either, man. And it's too bad because the system is is fantastic. You know, yeah. I, I, man, there's so many great exclusives, and it's a perfect console to supplement my PC gaming. It's you know, absolutely can, the the primary consoles, the PS4 and the Xbox and stuff have some great uh, exclusive games, but they just don't fit that different niche that Nintendo seems to fill. Well, no, because my PC does that. I can sit at my desk. I can PC game, you know, when I have a little bit of free time. But when it's time to hunker in bed or someone's using the TV, the fact that I can play these outrageously good triple a game sitting in my bed is just it's ridiculous it's awesome mm-hmm. i love it dude uh yeah. i've spent more time playing the switch in bed than at, at any other point yeah yeah it's great i uh i love that i love that console i think it's my favorite nintendo console i it's up there for me it's hard to i think the super nintendo is hard to topple Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, if it doesn't beat that, it's a close second. That's for sure. Yeah. You know, um, it's pretty amazing. It's a yeah. it's a slick device, but I think it's really propped up by the software, like any console is. Um, they just they hit it out of the park. I mean, year one. I mean, with Odyssey and 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 Breath of the Wild, and then even this year, you know, then Smash and stuff in between. But this year, Mario Maker and. Uh, Games like Astral Chain and uh, and now we've got oh, oh and Link's Awakening, but then we've got Luigi's Mansion. Look, Luigi's Mansion, I wasn't that excited for. I just mm-hmm. thought, yeah, Luigi's Mansion three. That sounds like <sighs> sounds like I could nap and just miss that experience. I don't. But then I was watching uh, a previews and it just got me so hooked on the level of detail on that game. It's just uh, looks like an immaculate experience. So after watching a bunch of previews, uh, I'm 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 just about launch day sold on that game, no and kidding. I'm launch day sold on almost no games ever. So right. we'll see, but it looks it looks pretty promising. So another good year for Nintendo, and then they got uh, obviously. Pokemon 
Sword and Shield coming out in November. So, uh, but <clears throat> no matter what, yay, that's all good. I just want Metroid Prime Four. That's I all I care about. I know. <laughs> That's all I want. That's well, why I that, bought the console. <laughs> and, and the uh, uh, the Zelda sequel. Yeah, and Animal Crossing. I am Crossing. so excited for that. Oh, yeah. And yeah. Animal Crossing. Yeah, all, all, all three of that. Those are the big three that um, uh, that we got in the pipes that I'm just totally excited for. Metroid Prime 4 be, being first for me. Mm-hmm. I You played through the Super Metroid. That game was fucking yep. amazing. And, well, and, and Metroid Prime and Metroid and then Prime Metroid 2. Prime and Prime 2. And uh, I didn't finish Prime 3, but that's because I hated motion controls. That's that's the mm. era where I kind of swore off Nintendo. I was an Xbox. I was all about the Xbox 360 at the time. Yep. Um, hated Nintendo. Hated motion controls for the most part. Yep. Uh, and I couldn't believe that they didn't have a a high def console. It was just looks so blurry to me. I was just dumbfounded, yeah. you know, just like it was, yeah, I was, I was in the same boat as you. I, uh, oblivions really, what sold me on the Xbox on the 360. Uh, that, that was my first, really one of yeah. my first experiences. Yeah. And that was a time suck for both of us. Yeah. Oh yeah. Unbelievably. And mm. so that, uh, that got me in that ecosystem for quite a while, but then, uh, towards the, I guess the middle of the Xbox 360 lifespan, I actually uh, stopped. I, I sold my 360 and went and bought a Wii again, uh, just to jump back into the Nintendo bandwagon, and it was okay. Um, it was for as popular and as much as that system sold, it definitely does not have the gaming catalog that the switch has or even the quality level that the wii u had even though the wii u had so many less games and so many less units sold um the game quality is just seems seemingly so much different between those consoles and the wii yeah you know it's funny i i laugh at that every time nintendo comes up really almost it's like the number one selling uh nintendo console besides their hands held their handhelds i think of all time was the Wii, mm. and um, it was the console I think I hated the most. I yeah. it wasn't a bad console, and it had a few gems, but it just it wasn't for me. And um, and it's funny it sold like gangbusters, and then the Wii U came around, and uh, I loved a lot of games on the Wii U that Nintendo put out. Of course, that was all. That was the only thing the console had going really was its first-party titles, but some of them were just outstanding, and yep. uh, and I liked that a lot more than the Wii. The Wii, and I couldn't understand, you know, until I really understood how bad Nintendo was one at marketing that console, right. and then to all the, you know, just the lack of third-party support. I understand that, but. Um, yeah, I just uh, I went 360, and then I got a Wii U right at the end of its life cycle, mm-hmm. and I was like, man, there's some killer first-party titles on this console. Oh, and, and I think that's what killed the Wii for me is name your favorite Wii standard Wii games. Ooh, uh, it's it's hard to grasp, right? I guess Mario Galaxy is one for mine, and then Zelda, uh, Twi- Twilight Princess. Which was yeah. also on the GameCube, so 
Well, exactly. Yeah, it was on the GameCube. Uh, so, but Punch Out was kind of yeah. neat. Not yeah, I, that's see, that's well, a and Wii Sports question. is great, but it's it's really you know that was the the duck hunt, I guess, of the time, the popular. Yeah, that um, it was, that's a good way to put it. That's yeah. what it was. It was duck hunt. It was like the thing that like. Your aunt looks at it and says, whoa, that's neat. I want to try that. And then they're bowling for 20 minutes and then they're like, yeah, okay, now let's go eat dinner. And then they, you know, so it it was a neat thing. Uh, The Wii Sports, um, the Nintendo did well giving giving this little demo bundle. Mm -hmm. Um, But it it didn't it didn't hold me that long. I played with it for uh, a handful of weeks and then I, I, you know, I was over it. So, yeah. Yeah. But now how about Wii U? What are some of your favorite Wii U games? Much easier to pull from that catalog, I imagine. Uh, yeah, well, Xenoblade X is uh, yeah. probably, I freaking love that game. Bayonetta 2, I love that game. Uh, Mario Maker, I love that game. Smash yeah. Brothers on the on the Wii U, I love that game. Uh, there are so many good games. Uh, even Zombie U was quite a good game. It was, uh, you know, they released it after and you didn't get the immersion of, that was the one time that it really jumped out at me the potential of the Wii U pad mm-hmm. um, without it just being like a map or inventory thing. Like you, you literally can look around with this thing and, and uh, it really added to the immersion of a survival horror game. I really enjoyed that one. And then uh, Captain Toad and, and all yeah. that stuff. So the, the Wii U game that really sold me on the, the second screen uh, gimmick for the Wii U was Pikmin three. Uh, I did a really good job of showing you like a map and you could actually move some of your Pikmin around using the touch screen. Um, it worked really well. Hmm. You would actually turn that controller. You'd play with, um, oh, what was it called now? A Wiimote and the nunchuck. And you'd have the gamepad turned in landscape, not landscape, portrait mode. And uh, yeah, it worked really well. And that's cool. But see, that's the thing that Nintendo really got lost in with the Wii and Wii U to me was the controller hell they were in. It was yeah. like, why am I having to buy a nunchuck and, and Wiimote <laughs> for the Wii U? And then I got my gamepad and then I got my pro controller and then I've got my whatever, you know, my GameCube controller. And the it, yep. they really with both of those consoles, they're in such a weird spot with the controllers that it was like you got, you know, yep. you got all these different. Contr- it's like this is a pain in the ass, you know. Yeah, yep. we had a whole box full of different controllers, nunchucks and adapters, and and they had the uh, the Wii U. I, mean, I guess for the Wii too, they had the Motion Plus, right? So then the there was Wii- an extra yeah, yeah. Little, extra little end that you had to plug into the Wii mode and. Yeah, or you could get them eventually. I think you can get them built in with the built Wii in. Motion Plus, and right. I had one of those for my Wii U, so I could play, oh, Galaxy from the uh, the East Shop or whatever. But yeah, yeah, I just uh, it was controller hell for a couple of console generations yeah. there for Nintendo. Well, I guess moving on because we yeah, about we this definitely got to move on. <laughs> <laughs> um. One more, I guess two more Nintendo-related things. Um, Dragon Quest XI S launch. 
Mm-hmm. So you played mm-hmm. Dragon Quest Eleven. I did on, on PC. Right? And it, it was a heck of a game. It was a fantastic RPG. Uh, great little story. Um, I, almost a little linear for my taste, but, it, you, you know, they had a good offering of these little side ventures if you really got into the game. And uh, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, it about was how long was your playthrough? About 70 hours. Mm-hmm. And now they're doing the uh, the definitive edition or whatever it's called on the um, on, on the switch. But the cool thing about this is, I guess on the fly you can switch to uh, a two D sprite based Dragon Quest right. <laughs> and play the game that way, which is pretty intriguing. That's pretty cool. Um, and then there's a whole slew of additions. To, to it so it's kind of on my radar my problem is i'm not one for buying games twice especially if i've already beat it mm-hmm. uh, the offerings are really impressive with this definitive edition or whatever it's called but i don't i don't personally i already went through the game so mm-hmm. but it is a fantastic game uh just uh a lot of interesting characters good story uh really sound uh kind of team mechanics and combat i'm not overly familiar with the dragon quest series since like the nintendo Mm -hmm. so i don't know you know i don't know if that's typical fare for what to expect out of a dragon quest series but i was impressed with a lot of the nuance of the game and all these little side diversions and had a good time with it um i don't know if i'll go back got too much to play uh, mm-hmm. But it, it's an intriguing uh, uh, title. I, maybe down the maybe in a, in a year I might pick it up. Nice, nice. So uh, the other game that recently launched on Switch uh, of note is uh, FIFA 20, which I'm sure <laughs> will devolve into a, an EA Sports uh, rant about this. But so we have FIFA 20, uh, Metacritic, the current actual critic meta score is 43. Uh, the user score earlier this week when I made the notes was 0.2. Oh, my God. I got to look. Sorry, it's, my big, loud mechanical keyboard. Yeah, big, loud mechanical keyboard. It's up to 0.8 now. I just pulled it up. Um, and most of the comments that I read are that it's basically a reskin with new rosters, that nothing's changed, that it's only here to appeal to people that don't own last year's game. <laughs> I mean, brutal brutal i don't remember the last time and I, you know how people on metacritic are the users they'll review bomb shit if they're annoyed right. about something like they even well, i'm sure that bombed breath of the wild because they didn't like that i was beating out uh uh kind of time uh no nah, that and uh that playstation 4 game um that dropped at the same time what's it called uh oh horizon Horizon. Yeah. So the, it got review bombed because they thought the critics were too kind to yeah. uh, Breath of the Wild, which I think is baloney in my opinion because that game is fantastic. But mm-hmm. uh, I've never, I don't know that I've ever seen a zero point eight <laughs> with yeah. hundreds of reviews. And, and I'm sure the the review bombing and the brigading has something to do with it because I mean, I obviously came through my newsfeed is how I found out about it. Uh, mm-hmm. But still, this is just another 
EA Sports 50. It's 50.94 right now on Amazon. Gross. Uh, reskin of a... Uh, not even a reskin. I mean, it, we both saw it with Madden this year. They had the uh, the little banner in the bleachers. Still said Madden 19 mm-hmm. at the top part of the bleachers just because someone in EA forgot to change the number. Dude, there was a weird picture in one of the stadiums I was playing in Madden 20. Mm-hmm. Where it's like a picture of like a buffet table, and that was supposed to be like the 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 VIP booth or whatever, the owner's booth, or uh, and it was just this giant buffet table with like these five foot tall like warming trays and stuff compared to the audience. It looked like so bad. And then hmm. you got banners for Madden 19 in the audience, and it really goes to show you, look that. EA, I'm tired of their shit, and I'm definitely tired of their exclusivity with the NFL. And I'm not surprised by that FIFA shit. I'm not surprised at all. That's typical EA fare lately, and uh, Madden's no exception. You know, that game still woefully um, just got so many AI issues, and, and they cheat it. By making it this, um, what they do instead of having, you know, real pockets form and 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 AI, you know, the wide receiver be aware of the ball and aware of where the cornerback is and the cornerback aware of the ball and where the wide receiver is and uh, they cheat it by implementing rubber banding and this really disgusting RNG based um, kind of uh, animation roulette. You know, it's just like, dude, it's awful. And look, I've been through, I'm on my fourth season of Madden. Right. Um, So so you've put the time into it. I've put the time into it, and it's gone in such a bad direction. I enjoy playing Madden 05 or the 2K, the 2K. The old 2K. The old 2K. Madden NFL 2K. That's the one with Ray Lewis on the cover. (laughs) Um, They, they, uh, you know, it's just garbage, man. It's garbage. Mm -hmm. It's garbage. It's unfortunate. Uh, There's nothing simmy about it. I may as well, uh, I should be rolling dice. That's what it feels like. It's, uh, it, it looks great. But they basically said, hey, we want games to be really close. Mm. And we uh, want it to look good. But we don't give a shit about the actual tactical side of it, the uh, the sim side of it. We just right. want it to look good, and we want games to be close. Yeah. And so they throw in the worst kind of like AI cheats to kind of like uh counteract the fact that it's not a sim they have these little hitches and cheats and then um and i don't mean cheats as in the ai is cheating to win though that's a separate issue with the rubber banding what i mean is they take these shortcuts to try to mask problems with the ai right and And, and you know i can see part of that because at its core football is a very strategy focused sport and 
I'm sure if you completely simulate it in a video game, people are going to find ways to exploit weaknesses um, and really drive up the score and be very lopsided. But at least it's a fair, honest simulation at that point. Exactly, exactly. Instead of they're going to counteract the uh the strategy or your ability to figure out the cpu's game plan by throwing in ridiculous either penalties or uh, just animation locks or whatever they do to keep it close yeah exactly like uh four fumbles by the same player in the in the fourth quarter in the second half of the fourth quarter or just face masks on critical uh plays you know to especially with the uh i noticed they do that with the divisional games really bad mm-hmm. and they, it's like uh, they ramp the uh that. a rubber banding effect like you see in racing games where you can't ever get too far ahead of the cpu they kind of cheat it up you know mm-hmm. it's just like that and i dude their exclusivity has to end but i know it won't because they're so entrenched in the football experience that it's like even NFL's website is like, oh, look at the Madden rankings this year. Look at this. Oh, and then ESPN's like, hey, Madden simmed this game this week. This is, mm-hmm. you know, it, they're so entrenched. In, and I think part of it has to do with them doing exactly what the NFL wants them to do with their games mm-hmm. or somewhat. But I... Uh, yeah, they're so entrenched, but I, it's such a disservice to fans of the game. I love video games, and I love football. Mm-hmm. My love for football is teetering, but uh, <laughs> that's a side note. But I can't. The fact that I have no good outlet to play video game football, is just it's a fucking travesty, man. The fact that I got to go back to fucking Super Tecmo Bowl or right. 2K15 <laughs> or, you know, what the fuck? Yep. Yep, it's uh, there's a definitely a big hole I think that should be filled there. Yeah, so fuck EA on sports games. That's my <laughs> thought. The bi- the biggest hole that needs to be filled is uh, Madden NFL Super Gay. What was it? Is that what you called it? A gay. Oh, too gay. Too gay. Too gay. Too gay. Yeah. Too gay's okay. gotta rise again. Too gay's man. gonna fill your hole of the Madden, uh, the football game. Sounds like a uh, <laughs> like a. I don't know, like a homoerotic rap band or something. Mm-hmm. Oh. So. But it just, yeah, it drives me nuts, man. It's such a, uh, the, when the day comes that someone else steps in, it's going to be, it's going to be nice. I'm yeah. tired of EA. They can go eat a bag. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's see what else we can, can hit on here before we, uh, I think we'll hit on our main topic that we've got, got on the sheet, but um. Anything else you want to go over? Tell me about Disco Elysium, because I don't really know anything about Disco Elysium. I've heard you guys uh, in our small group of friends mention it a few times, and it's completely off my radar. Okay, October 15th, it releases. Um, mm-hmm. I've looked at just a few previews, um, and and uh, a, a couple of previews, and it's basically, it looks a bit like a post-apocalyptic kind of open-world RPG, but the big 
the big draw is that it's got this unprecedented freedom of choice. You know, you can be just a crazy person. You're a detective, but you can be crazy. You can be mad. You can, you can go for profit. You can try to be the hero. It's just like, it's like if, uh, the freedom in, uh, uh, divinity, original sin two were just totally expounded upon exponentially and Mm. then put in this, uh, like post-apocalyptic, futuristic open world. No kidding. Yeah, and it looks really intriguing. Um, is it simpler and uh, set up as far as Divinity is, like a CRPG with a party and everything? Yeah, yeah, that's the way it looked to me, is that it's uh, kind of a, I don't know what they call that, perspective. Um, shame isometric, on me. kind of? Yeah, thanks. It's uh looks like an isometric type deal. And... Um, it, it is similar to to Divinity to maybe just about in that way, uh, but it's certainly kind of a CRPG, if you will. But uh, the big draw, the thing they're touting, is just an absolute absurd amount of of choice and impact on those choices, and basically the ability to play uh, just about any kind of character you can imagine, uh, just a massive skill trees all over the place. So, mm-hmm. um, it looks intriguing. I don't, I don't know a ton because, uh, the gameplay, uh, footage is a little bit cryptic, mm-hmm. um, but it, it's on my radar. And, um, as it comes closer to launch, you know, if I see more compelling stuff about it, I'll probably pick it up because it just looks like a giant sandbox, basically, just a an absolute sandbox of an RPG. Mm-hmm. Nice. All right. Um, anything else you want to hit on before we mm. uh, destroy our podcast with politics? Yes. <clears throat> Rage 2 put out an expansion last week. Okay. Um didn't dig into it and won't play it, but it made me wonder, is anyone playing that game still? Yeah, that was uh, supposed to be a big thing, and it was hyped to the end of the earth, and then uh, the reviews tried to be favorable, but really couldn't, and then yep. I know the, the, the user base wasn't what it should be. So my question is, what do you know about that? Is is anyone even playing that game? I just... Uh, uh, that's I completely skipped it. Um, I just pulled up the uh, Steam charts for the last seven days, and um, well, it says as of twenty or uh, eighteen minutes ago, there were two hundred and four people playing on the Steam charts. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> wow. A whole lot. The twenty-four hour peak is only six hundred people. That's brutal. That and is. It doesn't brutal. seem like. So when did the uh, expansion launch? Just recently. Yeah, just last week. Yeah, so I guess with the month, uh, the month Steam charts looks like they they popped up to a couple two thousand people concurrently uh, back in the middle of September, but since then just kind of petering. That's, That's pretty brutal. Uh, September twenty sixth, it looks like, was uh, the uh, Rise of the Ghosts expansion oh. for Rage Two. So definitely no uptick from them. Uh, well, a small uptick, but only maybe a thousand or so people at a time. And of course, that's just on Steam. So um, it's a Bethesda game, right? So a lot of people may be playing through the Bethesda launcher. 
Oh, right. That's true. That's yeah. true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's just Steam. Uh, though that's still pretty brutal for Steam numbers. I mean, yeah. that's pretty rough. But uh, I wonder how many people are playing through the Bethesda launcher, but oh god, that almost makes me want to go into Fallout 76. Uh, <laughs> Let's uh, talk we'll about sk- we're talking about Bethesda. Okay, well, screw it. We could just ramble on that for a quick second. So, la- so I- Fallout 76, I'll just I'll just touch on that. I was actually yeah. pretty interested in that game. I, I loved Fallout 3. I played that a lot. Um, I loved, loved, loved New Vegas. Um, I played way more New Vegas than I played Fallout 3, and I played a lot of Fallout 3. Um, it was actually, it came out at a perfect time, too. Uh, my wife was pregnant at the time, and so I played uh fallout new vegas uh, on our tv on our 360 and she would just kind of hang out and watch and really enjoyed the story and she just played through and kind of follow along or she wouldn't play i would play through and she would watch and um and my wife is very opposed to video games in most cases so uh that was a pretty cool one uh the story was great well done so with that interest, uh, Fallout 4 wasn't a bad game. It was a little bit different, and they did drop a lot of choices. But I did follow 76s, looking like, oh, this might be interesting. Multiplayer, uh, Destiny-like Fallout. Right. And I never picked it up just because of the bad, very, very bad, poor reception. And I don't think I'm missing out on anything. No. I think they've tried to fix it, but... I've just heard just the worst again. I I skipped it for the same reasons you did, and um, just heard it was a buggy, soulless mess with uh, just not much going on, and uh, looked terrible, was buggy as heck, and then there was a million and one controversies around it for people who purchased the the, the you know the giant pack with the duffel bag and the helmet, and then the yeah, duffel bag. Like a, was, yeah. yeah. Like a very cheap polyester, not polyester, uh, but plastic looking. It, didn't it look like a canvas bag or something? Yeah, it was supposed to be like this nice heavy-duty canvas bag in the ad, and it turned out to be this shiny, plasticky, just gar- hot, wrinkly, hot mess. So yeah, and that's why I had put a quick note to throw down was uh, it, it, they were in the. The news last week when we were supposed to talk, it was maybe a couple of weeks ago, that uh, yeah, their their merchandise mess wasn't quite over. Uh, the latest development, uh, which wasn't really Bethesda's fault per se, uh, but it was still Fallout 76 related. It, it, it mm-hmm. seemed like uh, GameStop sold a uh, red and white uh, T5 uh, helmet earlier that year and people got it. Oh, like and, the... Uh... Uh, the power armor helmets. Yeah, exactly. And um, mold w- was present on the fabric insert of the oh, helmet. No. And it's <laughs> posing a risk of, quote unquote, respiratory or other infections. And uh, with people with, with compromised immune systems, lung damage uh, or allergies and things like that. So I think okay. they had to recall that. I mean, I hate to laugh, but. That it's crazy, man. That they're trying to kill their players off with mold. I, <laughs> the the, the, the two hundred left, they're just killing them. 
I think there's uh, a good joke here about being toxic, but I just can't I can't come up with it at this point. Yeah, well that I think that's enough said. We can... <laughs> But yeah, they recalled them. So that wow. you know, it's just like man, that game can't catch a break, but you know, hey, it was Bethesda's fault for putting themselves in that situation and they're so boned on that old engine, they just won't let it go. That's what they want to keep doing. Um I don't know what they're doing, man. Uh, Bethesda, I held in high regard after Oblivion, and uh, it's kind of been downhill ever since. Even even Skyrim, man. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it's a good game. Um, I liked Oblivion more, despite all the shitty load times. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just felt a little bit more... It felt more immersive. It felt like they put their heart into that. Mm-hmm. So uh, I didn't get that quite the same feel from Skyrim, and then it's been kind of downhill. Yeah, with yeah, Bethesda ever since. I'm kind of hoping they can recapture a little bit of that with uh, Elder Scrolls Six, but we'll see. Yeah, we'll have to see how that pans out. Um, Elder Scrolls is is up there as one of the best franchises. Um, of all time, so mm-hmm. I think uh, it'll be interesting to see to see what they do there. Uh, the one before was the one before Oblivion. That game was amazing. Um, Morrowind. Yeah. Morrowind. Thank you. I'm having all kinds of problems with my memory. Might be the five beers that I had today. I don't know. So uh, I think you should uh, probably talk to somebody. Maybe you get Alzheimer's early onset. Yeah, yeah, Coors. I should sue Coors, I think. <laughs> yeah, the one, it's because you're drinking it out of a can, aren't you? Yeah, the, I think the, the aluminum metal just interacting with the metal plate in my head. Yeah, early onset Alzheimer's from the aluminum. Yeah. Right <laughs> so that's, that's follow-up. Uh, tell me something else, man. Well, uh, I guess let's start talking about our, uh, our main topic. So... Uh, politics are going to ruin our podcast and everyone's going to hate us because we have opinions, but I don't really care. No, I've got opinions and I mean, and I don't want to just to devolve into screw everyone else. We have our opinions, but man, uh, not, not just the news, but discourse overall talking to anybody, even outside of the media, just talking to your neighbor about politics or really anything policy related at all is almost impossible at this point. And it seems like people are just driven. One side is pushed extremism to the limit. And then the other side responds by going and becoming even more extremist in their views. And I don't know the, the actual discussion and uh, being able to talk about politics at all is is fast becoming impossible yeah well it's uh we're really in an uncomfortable place and state uh you know i i mean i know you know social media is uh kind of the um the cesspool of uh but with this notion of of trump um you know, impeachment impending and uh, mm. it's it's worse than ever and yeah you know, i think to me it's boiled down to this uh you people listen to talking pieces very heavily on that you know i have uh people on the right that i'm friends with who love ben shapiro he's their champion 
And then there's people on the left who listen to whether it's MSNBC or Janky Uger or from the Young Turks or whoever, whoever it is on the left. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think people are drawn to these guys. Not because they're thinkers like Ben Shapiro. Oh, that guy's so smart. You know, I think it's more that they're able to reaffirm their audience's own beliefs in a way that's very well spoken. So they're mm -hmm. able to trigger that rush of someone hitting their, uh, reaffirming their own belief yep. um, in, in a way that's so well done that they're like, boom, you know, ha, you, you can't yep. beat that left or beat that right, you know, because they do it in such a clever way, maybe more clever than, say, a Bill O'Reilly or, uh, you know, they it's um, they do it in a really yep. smart way. And it fires the reward mechanism in people's brains of just having that reaffirming uh, notion well said. But really, at the end of the day, these guys are just sophists, man. They're mm -hmm. all um, just taking a predefined box of ideas and trying to champion those ideas in the most intellectual way they can, in the most, uh, not verbose, but they, they're doing it in a way where it's more about winning the argument than getting to the heart of issues or, or even right. coming away with a little bit of humility and saying, Hey, really? You, and Ben Shapiro is so guilty of that amongst many on the left. It's like someone throws something at them that could challenge them. That's a good thoughtful notion. And they just, they rage out because they're not right. looking to really get to the heart of issues. They're looking to be a sophist and mm -hmm. win a debate. Yeah. And these guys are just debate artists. Well, and, and I don't even know that they're looking to win a debate as much as they're just looking to, um, like you said, reaffirm their beliefs and feel maybe in their own mind that they won, but just to hear, to shut down the other side of the debate. They're not looking to win a debate intellectually as much as they're looking to shut down the discussion and feel like they won well exactly exactly yeah and when i say win i don't mean they win through logic and they've actually mm -hmm. surmised the best uh in you know uh, objectively if you can use that word i don't know but just the the most sound intellectual argument you're right the the winning is by just shutting someone down often it's by talking to people that just aren't in the realm of speaking prowess and mm -hmm. intellectual prowess so they destroy him and it's like a little victory for their side and you know everyone collapses. Oh, and i see this a lot on fox news where they'll have a one person come in to present the other side of a topic and then they'll have a panel of three other people that'll proceed to speak over them or shut them down or scoff and laugh and look at the camera. And, you know, I, I think that uh, some people that may support the Fox news views, look at that. It's like, ha, look at them beating up the, you know, the person with the opposing view can't even uh, uh, speak because uh, these people think that their point of view is just so ridiculous. And yeah, whether or not their point of view should be considered or not, it's just they're enjoying the entertainment value of hearing their own 
ideals parroted back to them. Exactly. Exactly. And I think one exactly. thing that that really gets to me is as as much as these people or some people uh, want to hear those ideas and their echo chambers parroted back to them, and uh, and may truly believe in some of these ideas, whether it be gun rights or um, abortion or any of these other hot button issues. I think when it comes down to some of these uh, celebrities or uh, people that are are pushing th- these ideas, I, I feel a lot of people on the right or the left would not be able to stand being in the same room as these people that they portend to love. Um, and I think Trump is probably the epitome of that. Uh, there are so many people I know that are adamant Trump supporters. And I think that if you put any of these people and force them to work for this guy for a month, they would utterly despise their life. Oh, for sure. And we can we can beat up on the left just as well. But on that notion, we uh, do you think do you think the working class man or woman, uh, just just a heart of America type working class man or woman that would vote for Trump, you think that they could sit there and have real dialogue with that guy and walk away and feel like, ah, that's a good guy. I doubt it. They're going to think this guy's a a douchebag, you know, if they were locked in a room with them for, and even Ben Shapiro, another hero of the right. uh, Ben Shapiro gets on my nerves because he's not the true intellectual he's painted to be. Uh, He's not, doesn't care about anyone challenging his beliefs or, uh, you know, he if he were a free thinker in the way that he's touted to be, mm-hmm. uh, his ideas would not just fit firmly in red camp or blue camp. They would be a mix of both or eat neither, because that's what free thinking gets you. Free thinking doesn't put you in this night. Nice, neat little pre-filled color box of red or blue free thinking gets you somewhere in the middle or outside, whatever, however you want to frame it. Um, you know, it, it, that's true free thinking. You think by mere coincidence, free thinking would get you to all the objectives to defend of the red or the blue. You're full of shit. So when right. you know that someone's ideas are just totally in this preconceived box, you know that they're not true free-thinking intellectuals with the strut they're just echo chamber mouthpieces and that's the shit it drives me nuts because it really ramps and rallies people up and then you hear them repeating these talking points from these talking Mm -hmm. heads and it's just like come on you know and and the thing is that being an actual critical being able to think critically about this stuff or discuss any of these political topics um from a point of view where you can reconsider your own thoughts and your own uh impressions or where you're coming from um is not accessible in conversation anymore it's not possible to do because if you do not 100 percent subscribe to one extremist view or another then you just get lumped in as the enemy or the other side and I've seen it time and time again. And many of my uh, innate political views are very conservative and 
you know, I know it's popular to be libertarian or whatever um, on the internet or whatever else, but yeah, a small government and uh, being fiscally responsible would be really good. I think these would be very good uh, values to aspire towards with our bloated, ridiculous government. But you can't you can't honestly debate any of these topics with anyone on either side because it's either oh well you're a conservative then you must support everything any conservative had ever said or you must be Ben Shapiro's clone or right. <laughs> oh you okay well you uh, support or you dis do not support every Ben Shapiro policy or Trump policy that there's he's ever come out with or you don't support the wall that I'm gonna build then you must be a freaking liberal commie Nazi son of a bitch. You know, it just, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's so hard. It's impossible. And, um, the frustrating part is we can't even talk to each other about this stuff without, that's the biggest thing. You, you just hit the nail on the head. We're afraid to challenge our own beliefs. We're so insecure about this shit Mm -hmm. that we can't even stop ourselves and challenge and and put to the test our own beliefs but that's exactly what we should be doing mm-hmm. and and that's how we're going to reach solidarity with one another and and right. really solve important issues is by um just challenging our ideals enough to at least find the cracks which will right. form us to more of a middle ground. But we can't have that kind of dialogue. Everyone is just like, hey, this is my f- fucking team. And if right. you're if and you're I'm not going to give an inch team, right. I'm not giving an inch. And uh, I don't even need to think about it. In fact, I don't think about it because I have talking heads that fill my brain with what I need to think about. And if you challenge the shit that I, I, you know, that I've formed in my brain. Uh, I don't want to talk to you. Mm-hmm. And that's crazy, man. That's crazy that we can't, we don't willingly let people in to challenge our, our own beliefs. You think that would be welcome if, if someone's really, truly after a truth or resolution that's what we're going to do. We're going to challenge our beliefs as hard as we can. How can, how can it be a belief if you can't challenge it? Right. That's not a belief. That's a, that's a fallacy. If you can't challenge your own beliefs uh, and put it to the test and then come out the other side, whichever side, then your belief is not a belief. It's a fallacy. It's part of whatever else you're holding on to. It's a bias of the utmost extreme. Mm-hmm. I, another thing that concerns me kind of in the same topic is, and geez, I wish I could remember uh, where I've heard it, but it was basically someone spoke about the uh, the death of believing in experts. And, oh, I wish I could remember who the where I I first originally heard about that. But basically, the idea that we live in a society now that experts in certain fields, um, many people, if you come across and say that this person's a scientist or a doctor or something, where 30 years ago we would look at them as an authority on their particular topic of study we would say okay yeah more than likely what they have to say is pertinent they've got these credentials behind them but now because of i don't know maybe a number of factors because of people with these credentials 
having a political agenda or some other kind of monetary agenda or just distrust from people in general because they don't want to believe that these experts are correct about something that impacts their personal or political beliefs that all experts are wrong and well, all yeah. doctors are wrong and all scientists are wrong and you can't trust these people so i'm just going to trust what i see and believe in hey it's a little bit uh, colder than seasonably usual so ha 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 climate change does not exist and lack of overwhelming evidence to the contrary well exactly that's a, i love i love the topic you just brought up and there's this uh uh, just kind of uh, this uh, throw in the face of like, you know, here's the thing. Uh, yeah, it, they're like, you know, uh, they're just all these scientists. They're after this grant money. And it's like they lump right. scientists into it's, the same group. And then you have scientists around the world with their own agendas working for governments, working independently. It's not like there's this no. this little secret group of scientists <laughs> all, you know, like, right. you know. It, it, it's the same same way with the people with ke- trying to say that chemtrails were a real thing. Okay, this conspiracy has completely uh, tied in hundreds of thousands of airline employees and people <laughs> involved in the airline industry. <laughs> To cover it up. And no, there's no leakers at all. There's no whistleblowers anywhere. And the same thing with the climate stuff. And what makes it even more comical is – Or the flat earthers. Or the flat earthers, right. You'll see them retweet or repost or share an article where one single climate scientist denies climate change. This is absolutely not true. So – they're like, oh, look, see, there. here's a real scientist, the only one out of tens of thousands that doesn't believe in it, but that's the one I trust. Well, why, well, yeah. you, why do you believe that person? Well, because they don't believe in climate change. They said exactly. it's a hoax. And, you know, I mean, how far removed are you from Alex Jones at that point? Uh, right, exactly. Well, man, you just slam dunked it, man, because it's like you're you're such a contradiction when you say, hey – for one, you start out by saying, hey, look, we don't believe all these scientists from all these other countries and our own country and, and independent scientists. They're all, quote unquote, scientists with an agenda for grant money. But mm-hmm. then you're like, but this one scientist says we don't uh, we see no evidence in our models for for uh, humans contributing to climate change or, or to climate change at all. And they're like, look, look at this guy. It's like, yeah, but you just were saying you know, we're all we all agreed that the, the, the scientist community of these evil guys had all formed a pact to uh, to get all the grant money. So now you trust this one guy. What, what are you talking about? And so they yep. kind of paint themselves in a corner with that. But, yeah, well, that's in the, and it goes into the fake news bullshit. And 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 now what it is, it's this fear of we don't trust anyone unless it's something that agrees with our our own perspective. You know, yep. it's like we don't trust the news when they disagree. We don't trust independent scientists. We don't trust scientists from our own uh, government or, or even independent scientists from our own country. We don't trust anyone mm-hmm. uh, because they're disagreeing with us. Yep. And it's all it's the fake news. It's it's all the same ball of wax where the number one thing 
is our preconceived notions and agendas and and getting someone to reaffirm those being right is so fucking secondary it's not it's an afterthought yep and you know i think that there's been politicians and governments have been working to influence and pigeonhole people for decades and decades even prior to the internet they were lumping people on to the right or the left and using propaganda through newspapers or whatever the media was at the time um, or using churches or whatever else if you go back even further in history to push political agendas and i think that that's well researched and everything else but i also suspect that it's not as much of a somebody in control that uh, there's the wizard behind the curtain uh, pulling all the strings as much as it may seem or some of us I I think it's almost comforting to think that there's somebody in control behind the curtain right Uh, and so I think that as much as we see this with social media and people getting pushed into their own echo chambers part of me thinks that it was a accident that it was more driven by people just being able to have access to and find information to reaffirm their own beliefs. Well, me too. And that yeah. we're probably just popular or uh, acting on it now that it's a uh, it's a thing. Right. I, I don't think there's again. Yeah, I don't think there is just uh, this giant push uh, behind the scenes, some big puppeteer that uh, I think <clears throat> part of it is just uh, laziness and. Now, I don't want to say human nature because that's not correct. I don't think uh, there's very little innately baked into the human that isn't brought about by uh, our experience or culture. I know, man, it's this is not a popular uh, train of thought. Most people think that, uh, oh, humans are have baked in um, – Baked in tribalism, baked in greed, baked in violence, and mm-hmm. um, I think there's there's the propensity for that, but I think it's not an innate thing necessarily. I think our culture propagates a lot of that in our experiences and things like that, but <sighs> I don't know. Yeah, I think it's just driven by pure accident, and now it's like uh, it's just panned out that it's become the device of our own demise that we're just really, we're just punching each other in the mouth and, uh, and, and uh, the ownership class wins again, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And here we are, we're always feuding with each other about the most stupid and inane shit. Meanwhile, uh, whether they voted for Trump or it just, it rolls on the machine rolls on and it's not getting any prettier for the uh, lower or middle class. So we're punching ourselves in the mouth with all this horse shit. Yep. Yep. And I think many people have, well, and there's a lot of people that report having increased stress and anxiety and everything because of political factors and people, and yeah, we can call them snowflakes or whatever. I mean, I don't care. Um, but I wonder if it isn't because consciously as a group that we feel an impending crisis coming, uh, that we're going, we're pushing to these two extremes, but also 
you know, economically, climate change being what it is. Uh, there are a lot of things that seem to be coming to a head in our lifetimes. Yeah, let me tell you about a quick little uh, thing from uh, one of my favorite philosophers, the quote-unquote hedonistic philosopher, Alan Watts, okay? Mm -hmm. He talks about, you know, a long time ago, he used to protest, and uh, and the cops on the beat, would they would just watch the protesters. You know, they weren't spraying them with mace or beating them with clubs or uh, shooting tear gas into crowds. They were fine, but do you know why? Because they were secure in their conviction that everything was okay. The system was where it was supposed to be. Mm -hmm. But when it's not, that's when people get insecure. And that's Mm -hmm. where they can't handle the protest. They can't. And I think we're feeling that as a group, Mm -hmm. as a collective, we're very insecure about where things are. And Mm -hmm. that's only making things worse, really. I think, like you're saying, is really pushing us apart. But at the end of the day, we're feeling insecure because of the strife we're creating, uh, the the stratification we're creating. Mm -hmm. Uh, All these things are really – they're pushing us apart. Uh, We see the economy is – we see how fallible the economy is, especially people – in our lifetime, we see just absolutely how delicate and fallible, uh, you know, the quote-unquote free market, which it isn't, uh, system is, and and our economy and and the world economy, and we're uncomfortable, man. I mm-hmm. think you're right on that. We're we're really uncomfortable, and it, it's playing into all this mess. But it seems like it's driving us to make worse decisions. To be honest. Right. Yep. Oops. Well, man. I think we could hit politics all night long, and but uh, I don't know how much further I want to devolve into uh, this depth of politics. And uh, I know it's a fluff piece we just talked about. Hey, the, the, all these assholes are wrong. But I will say I think we should mention mm-hmm. you. Now, okay, you are you. Would you? We should probably peg ourselves. Um, mm-hmm. You are. What would you say? Your 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 political leaning is um i would say if you would have asked me six years ago even four years ago i guess um i would be solidly right conservative um small government and as of today i am solidly center left got it um Um, just based on distrust of the Republican Party that that we're dealing with with our current administration and um, the Law and Order Party is clearly not the Law and Order Party. Uh, right, exactly. Yeah, and I would say personally, and I just want to peg us for our audience, but uh, hmm. all two people that might listen to this, um, I'm would say almost apolitical. I don't, I don't, I have such a distrust of 
the established left and I am very much against, which strangely, mm. this weird mm. censorship movement that's coming out of the left. I don't, I don't understand yeah. that. I that's totally blindsided me. The whatever you want to call them, the censorship, this censorship movement that SJW. I don't know what you want to call them. Yeah, but, uh, identity that, politics. Yeah, the that, whole. that's really yeah. killing me because it's really weakening uh, true. Progressive, true left, and uh, it's it's rough. So, mm-hmm. but either way, I I think you and I are both uh, at a point where I don't give a fuck what idiot they try to throw in front of us and the media tries to sell us on. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna look at every idea that's important objectively, whether that takes me left, center, or right, of based on the current climate of politics. Who knows? Because that shit changes so fast. Like, I, to be quite honest, was uh, definitively left. Mm-hmm. Um, in the past, I am definitely not left anymore. Right. Uh, not with not establishment left. Um, Which I think is a good place to be in because e- even with me, like right now, if we had the presidential election today, I'd be voting for one of the the front runner Democrat candidates mm-hmm. just based on disagreeing with a lot of uh, what's happened with the current administration. But that said, were I to come out fully and support one of these front runners, I'd also be probably as much or more critical of them than anyone else around um, would not be just looking to blindly champion whatever they've got to say, similar to what we've seen from people on both parties in the past and i think that's where we really need to get in where into a realm where we're the people who voted for somebody like our current president should be the ones that are holding them most accountable well yeah absolutely as opposed to trying to cover for them that goes back to what we were talking about in that whatever your belief is with anything you should be the 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 ch- the front line of challenging that belief in your own mind out loud um if you are are staking these big decisions on uh whether whether it's your religion or politics or philosophy or the way of life or how you conduct yourself mm-hmm. you should be your biggest uh, opponent you mm-hmm. should be challenging yourself all the time to make sure where you're at holds up and adjusting from there. Uh, mm-hmm. It's not just this thing. You pick your team and then you go and root for it for the rest of your life. You have to, uh, if you're going to be an intellectual about, if you're going to conduct yourself as an intellectual about your own beliefs, your own philosophies, your own politics, then you need to be challenging those things all the time. And you have mm-hmm. to be the biggest challenger. If mm-hmm. not, you what are you doing? If you're not interested in in truth, getting closer to truth uh, for yourself, then I I don't know what other bigger life goal there is. Uh, to me, that's I think with, with all the charades we do with work and uh, you know just uh, the masks we put on and all the things we do, and if there's one big objective we should have for ourselves. It's to get closer to the truth get, at all mm-hmm. times, you know, to, mm-hmm. to get taken new information. We we owe that to ourselves. 
Mm -hmm. uh, that that's that's a responsibility. So that's why I don't necessarily completely subscribe to absurdism or so. It mm -hmm. I think there is a certain responsibility uh, to to do those kinds of things, and I think that's where what we're missing. To be honest, I think that's what we're we're really missing, man. In uh, in uh, politics, uh, current times, philosophy is uh, a, a populist that just really want uh, uh, relishes challenging themselves mm -hmm. intellectually. Mm -hmm. Yep, wouldn't that be great to have a uh, leadership that challenged themselves? <laughs> considered <laughs> anything? Like yeah, yeah, that's uh, that'll be the day, right? Right. Well, you know, we should uh, have do, I don't know, this is uh, maybe somewhere down the line we could do a whole podcast yeah. on that. But you know what else I want to talk to you about? The what? state of ISPs. And I also want to talk about <laughs> uh, Steam v. Epic. And I, I've got a million things. I just, It's never enough time, man. Nope, it's never enough. And uh, I'm glad we're back here doing this again, though, even though we missed a week. Uh, and honestly, I haven't talked to you in over a week, so... Sitting down talking to you about anything is great. Um, even though we ended up in the heavy political realm, which uh, is not going to be our case for every podcast. No, we're going to have no. a lot more fun than this. <laughs> yeah, but we warned, we warned the viewers on the or the uh, the listeners, if you will, on the first one that uh, yeah. politics. It I think we mentioned politics was going to rear its ugly head, but. Mm -hmm. uh, Stay away from uh, the moose, man. It was great to talk to you. And yeah. uh, great to talk uh, to you too. I got one more question for you. You mentioned something about uh, on a little lighthearted note. We can end on. Uh, tell me about your kid's Halloween costume. Oh shoot! Yes, 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 yes. Okay, so uh, one of my first video game experiences ever was Zelda and Zelda Two. Yeah. on the internet played the crap out of them so think about how crazy it is that all these years later my son is dressing up as link for halloween this year we already got the costume he's got the sword the shield the yep. yellow tights the green hat the green tunic uh the brown boots he's all decked out that's crazy dude uh listen what? you little shit even if you don't know who this is you're gonna wear it for halloween exactly <laughs> No, I know. I'm just kidding. I, I know that that's was not the, the one case. he picked out. Isn't that's that awesome. crazy, dude? That's crazy. Unbelievable. Uh, does your yeah. son get into Link in any he of that? Does. Or well, he played. Uh, he played more Breath of the Wild than I did, and I played no small amount of Breath. Uh, Breath of the Wild, uh, and he he mastered that game way beyond what I did. Uh, but he dressed up as Link a year, two years ago. Um, and he still has a master sword and he'll play outside with his master sword. And it's just <laughs> unbelievable because I remember playing link to the past as a child and, uh, well, and I had link one and two as well. Uh, but, uh, link to the past being the one that really set with me and, uh, running around outside, like collecting items and, uh, you know, and seeing him still doing that 30, you know, almost 30 years later. It's that's crazy ridiculous. dude it's bizarre yeah, yeah. And, and video and so, games just don't have that kind of staying power normally they, you know like they don't and what's funny is they just uh launched all the snes games on not all the snes games but many of the snes games on switch and um my my little guy has been playing link to the past 
And, and <laughs> no he way. just looked at me the other day while he was booting it up on the Switch, and it says on the bottom, copyright 1991-92 Nintendo, and he goes, Dad, this game was made in 1991. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, that were what? I guess that was a while ago. Yeah, man, isn't that scary, dude? Oh my gosh, dude, that is, it's bonkers. It's weird. It's funny that our kids love Zelda and Link, and it's something we grew up with. That's so, yeah. especially in the video game. Like, uh, I don't know that I can say that about any other IP or it, no. it's weird. It's weird. I guess I guess music, but even then, I think everyone grows up with their own era of music. They may enjoy some of their parents' music, but yeah, exactly. I, you know, I still listen to a few tunes my parents listen to, but they all they listen to classic rock, and that crap gets old because it's on every radio station (laughs) and every store, and you've heard every song worth hearing about a million times, and uh, so it's not my big thing. But I think you're right; you kind of grow up at it. So even music, uh maybe movies but then again even movies like i'm not into the movies my parents were i like the movies i grew up with so it's just weird to to see this like pop culture if you will some this media entertainment thing like bleed cross uh generation like that yeah it remained popular despite its iterations after all this time that's pretty crazy. Well, you want to wrap this one up? Let's. Do, I, I don't know. With what is this? Two hours? Yeah, we probably should, man. It's. Uh, I gotta work tomorrow. So. <laughs> nice. All right. Well, uh, we'll be in touch, and it's good talking to you, brother. Sounds good, brother. Love you, man. Enjoy the rest of your night, and uh, we will talk soon. Yep. See you all next week. See you next week. <laughs> <laughs>